Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Sean Hathaway. This is my podcast, Breakaway. I apologize profusely for not recording for the last couple weeks. Things come up. Sometimes you got to take a break. This is Breakaway, where we got to break away from the talking heads, group think, try to sift through the noise and find some truth. First, a quick word. The opinions expressed by me on this podcast are solely my own opinions or those of my guests and do not reflect the opinions of Hathaway Financial, which is a registered investment advisory practice. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for investment decisions. If you need investment advice, get a financial advisor. Okay, lots to talk about here. Uh, First, always start with the markets. So markets are reaching new lows again. So we've got... Uh, remember, they, the markets have been <laughs> collapsing during the entire year of 2022. Uh, we're basically repeating the 0708, the dot-com crash of 2000, 2001, 2002, though we're not quite at those lows yet. The market overall is down 32% uh, today. This is Friday afternoon. I'm recording before the close of the markets. Uh, what is it anyway? It's September 30th, so it's officially the last day of, of calendar Q3. So markets down 23 32%. 23% on average, maybe 24. Um, tech stocks, big tech, um, which is like your your Facebooks and your Googles, and I kind of measure them by looking at QQQ, referred to as the Qs, down 32%. And major tech stocks, which some people look at ARK Investments, managed by Kathy Wood, uh, as kind of a proxy, uh, it's down 60%. So... Uh, I think there's going to be. I don't think we're seeing lows yet. I think it's, I think there's more more bad news to come. There's just so much bad news potentially out there. Um, you know, I mean, the latest. We really need the war in Ukraine to end. I think that's one of the catalysts for the stock market. We also have obviously what's going on with the Fed. But the, the reason the if the war in Ukraine ends, it's going to it's going to free up and clear up a lot of the supply chain issues, particularly as it relates to energy and oil, uh, as well as food commodities, which are affecting the rest of the world fertilizers, etc. But now we have pipelines being blown up, still unexplained who's responsible. Donbass regions annexed by Putin and Zelensky pushing for uh, admission into NATO. These are all (laughs) kind of bad things for uh, a negotiation. Okay, so we have, let's talk about Hurricane Ian. Obviously, if you've seen pictures, it's a huge, huge mess. This is going to take years to clean up, and it's going to cost insurance companies billions of dollars. The current estimates are 30 to $50 billion. By the way, people are talking about this as a climate change thing, and, and I guess it could be. I don't know. I'm not sure. Who knows? It's a big, it's a big hurricane. I think, they, I think it was a Category 4, ultimately. But I was looking back, and so we've got Katrina, as as we know, did $186 billion in damage. So that was a Category 3, apparently. That was in 05. Um, oh, this list is by by damage. But Hurricane Harvey was in 2017, Category 4. Hurricane Andrew, Hurricane Michael, Hurricane Camille, uh, Labor Day Hurricane. So these hurricanes kind of happen all the time. And I think it's a little disingenuous of the, of the mainstream media to just, to just stick this all onto uh, climate change. Because these things happen. And I'm not saying climate change isn't happening, but I'm just kind of tired of some of the news outlets saying this is climate change. It's like hurricanes happen all the time, unfortunately. And it's interesting because everybody, (laughs) 
imagine this would have happened during COVID and everybody's trying to move to Florida. And obviously there's been a huge influx of people moving into Florida from other states. People may rethink it after, after this one. It's going to be very difficult. It already was apparently difficult to get home insurance there. Flood insurance, almost impossible to get. Or it's just prohibitively expensive. So it's tough. It's tough. Okay, let's go back to the markets, though. So uh, layoffs, freezes, downgrades, upgrades. So Lyft, just this week, announced that they have frozen hiring. Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, also just announced that they're freezing hiring. And DocuSign is cutting 9% of their workforce. And I'm sure there were a lot of other announcements. Those are just kind of top of mind that I had. So we're seeing the effects of, you know, slowing economy and recession. And, you know, look, unfortunately, these are probably healthy. A lot of these companies overhired and, and, and are probably operating well inefficiently. So this is just naturally working itself out. Look, the stock market has been down now for, you know, nine months, basically. And it, it, this... I'm guessing it's probably going to go on for another year as we bounce around bottoms and maybe even see new bottoms. The point is, this is natural part of the cycle, and and unfortunately, it's painful but healthy. Apple this week uh, was downgraded. Um, so Apple's kind of like one of these big generals that you know you see all of these other stocks and the overall markets down twenty three percent, like I said. But Apple is only down. Let's see what they're down here to date. Second. <clears throat> okay, I just pulled the chart up. I take back everything I was about to say. App- Apple's down 21% year to date. So that's, that's a healthy correction in, in a really big stock that represents, I don't know, I think it was 5 to 7% of, of the um, S&P 500. <clears throat> okay, Nike just announced the, uh, the... And by the way, they're down because, because there's um, a thought that they're going to have slowing I- iPhone 4 sales. And then Nike... Just announced earnings. By the way, in this environment, if you don't announce like spectacular earnings, if you're just in line with guidance, your your stock probably gets hammered. So Nike's Nike actually beat on top line and bottom line. That means they. I think. By the way, I'm just going from what I read. I didn't actually pull up the financials, but they apparently beat on their revenue and on their net income. That means top. When people say top line, they're talking about revenue and bottom line. They're talking about net income. And and so they beat on both of those, but their stock got hammered by ten percent. And that's because their inventory levels are up 44% year over year. So they're, they're carrying 44% more inventory than they were this time last year. Now, normally that'd be okay if they thought revenue was going to be up 44%. But my guess is revenue is not going to be up 44%. The market doesn't like these inventory levels. But if you, I'm going to talk about the Fed and inflation uh, issues next. But um, this, is a, this is a good sign for, for, for inflation and 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 coming down because Nike's going to have to discount this inventory in order to sell it. Therefore, prices are, are going to come down. Uh, just another indicator. Uh, Netflix got upgraded this week. Uh, they had three upgrades, actually two upgrades this week, one last week. They're trading at $240 right now. One of the price targets was 283 So Netflix is interesting. They're up 35% in the quarter, basically calendar year Q3. They were trading down 100 at $175, now they're $240. Um, it, I think people are starting to embrace the idea that the, the advertising model is going to work well for them. And I think that's right. So they were, and I talked about this in my last podcast, but they're shopping advertising at $65 per thousand views, which is really high. It's like the highest in the industry. 
but their point is they can really target the right audience. And they're going to show, I think they're talking three to five minutes of commercials or advertisements, maybe three, they said, per 60 minutes. So it's not going to be overwhelming. The, the key is, like, is it, are they going to cannibalize their current customers because people will trade down to it to a less expensive tier? Um, but, uh, the, oh, the other theory I heard, too, was that it was that advertisers aren't as aren't as convinced that like Meta or Facebook or these are as, are as efficient or effective as they used to be because of Apple's kind of privacy throttling of like how they can measure who they're who they're reaching. Again, sp- speaking outside my wheelhouse a little bit here, but the point is, Netflix kind of owns their ecosystem, so they they have very, very high control of, of who's going to see those advertisements. Uh, more so, arguably, than, than Meta does, because Meta has to go through the Apple ecosystem. So that'll be good. All right, let me talk about the Federal Reserve here and, and kind of what's going on. Part of what's, just to kind of take a step back here, I'll try not to bore everybody here, but it's important to understand the role of the Federal Reserve. They really have, like, two mandates, and that is to control inflation their stated goal is 2% annual inflation, and to maximize employment or minimize unemployment, if you will. So, and they do this primarily through interest rates. And what they do is they lend, they, they set the interest rate that banks lend at. So banks have to borrow money from the federal government. That's the interest rate they set. And then banks turn around and lend money to, to you and I, the consumers. And obviously, they're going to lend money to us at a rate slightly higher or definitely higher than, what was that? You're going to lend money at a rate that's higher than, than what they're paying. Anyway, so Fed rates have been basically like 0 to 1% for the last decade. Uh, I think they did go up to like 2 or 3 maybe in 2019. doesn't matter. The point is they've been basically 0 for the last decade. And now in the in the matter of, and, and that's part of what's driven this huge bubble in, in, in this decade of exuberance in stocks and crypto and NFTs and everything else we saw. And so now the Fed, you know, unless you've been in a cave uh, or your head's underground, you've seen that inflation is really high. Um, If you've gone to the gas station, fill your car up, you'll notice that immediately. It's over $6 a gallon here in in California, by the way. So the Fed has basically raised rates uh, to a 3 to 3.25%. They call it 3.25% in the course of the last six months which is just insane. I think it's one of the fastest uh, rate hikes in, in, the hist- in history. And, and the markets are reacting. And I'm going to go into that. Actually, I'll just go into it right now. Like housing, for example, I think is a really interesting uh, scenario. So the 30-year mortgage rate on a house is up from 3% to 7%, basically over the last nine months. 3% to 7%. Okay, so, so this has the effect of doubling the payment on the median house over the last two years. And kind of the math behind this, and I'll just give you the high level, is that the median home price used to be 405000 But now the median home price has ro- risen to 522000 Okay, so if you just do the math and assume a 20% down payment, and then your interest rate's gone from 3 to 7, basically your monthly payment's gone from 1300 to 26, 2700 Long story short, your monthly payment on the median size median price of a house in the United States has doubled in the last year. So this is going to have the effect for sure of calming and 
calming, significantly cooling the housing market. Okay, because people can't afford to spend this. So housing prices will come down. And and and, the, and these interest rates just they 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 trickle through all aspects of the economy. Your credit card debt's going to be higher. If you go to buy a car, it's going to cost more. So it, it just drives all of these prices uh, down because demand is going to go down. So we got that going on. By the way, we want inflation to come down because I want the Fed to stop hiking rates. I don't want to see, I don't think anybody wants to see 7 to 10% interest rates. And so part of the problem, though, is the Fed has kind of has one tool. It's this interest rate. They also have monetary easing and quantitative easing. Uh, I won't go into that. I've talked about it before. It's kind of technical. But it's basically just think interest rates. And But it's kind of like they have this hammer. The other issue, and, that, and they can definitely t- dampen down the demand side of things, right? Like I'm not going to go buy a house or a car now if I have to pay 10% or 5% interest rates. But a lot of the the issues with prices are, are supply side driven, right? And, and they're just kind of working themselves out, you know, but you heard about all the container ships waiting in the ports and COVID shutdowns in China. A lot of that stuff has worked itself out, but we still have supply side, significant supply side issues, particularly as it relates, like I said, in the opening to, to gas, oil, fertilizers, food, all driven by the war, by war in Ukraine. So if a war in Ukraine, if we get that settled, and and then get the demand down a little bit in the United States. I think we could kind of shake all this out in the next six months. That'd be really good. And then have a nice, you know, flat to up 2023. That's my hope. The Fed, though, I've kind of talked too much about them at this point. I, I think that they've, they've kind of overreacted. Um, let me take that back. I think a raise of an interest rate hike to 3.25 is fine right now. And I think it's probably fine to take that all the way up to 4 Um, but Jerome Powell has indicated in his last speech, he was very, what we call hawkish, meaning he's, he he basically said, or the way the markets interpreted it is I will tank this economy into recession and unemployment will go up. People will lose their jobs to get inflation down. And I just think that he's, I, I get where he's coming from and how important it is to take inflation down, but I think we need to slow down. Okay, so take rates up, you know, 50 basis points in the next meeting in November. See where that takes us. So slow it down. Um, We're seeing commodity prices come way down. I just looked up a couple of these. So lumber is used to be $1,300 in February. Now it is at $410. So that's, you know, what is that, 67, 60, 70% down. Copper uh, is at 334 today. It used to be 500 in March. Iron ore is at... Uh, $109 today used to be $150. The, the one main commodity that's not coming down so much is like oil, natural gas, energy. So, like I said, that's not going to be, uh, demand's not going to help change that one too much. We really need, we need, really need a peace deal in Ukraine. Um, let's see here. I was going to play a clip that I had for Netflix, but I'm way past it and I don't feel like I can go back to it at this point. So, let's talk about Tesla. So, I am such a fan of Tesla, and this is not investment advice, but I think we're going to see Tesla reach new highs in the next year, for sure. And people are really, really underestimating what's going on here. So they have the FSD beta, 
which is full self-driving, and it's rolling out to all owners with driving scores greater than 80. And I have a driving score, by the way, my wife and I combined, of like 97, 98, and I still haven't gotten it. So I haven't I haven't figured out why I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start emailing Tesla service to try to understand it. No other car company in the world has FSD beta, or FSD, has full self-driving. I mean, literally, go Google it. These cars drive themselves around through complex traffic situations without driver intervention. It's not perfect. It is far from perfect, but it is damn impressive. And they are so far ahead of the competition, it's mind-boggling. A testament to that is that tonight, and I'm going to try to tune into this, at 5 p.m. on a Friday, they have what's called Tesla AI Day. It's the second time they've had it. AI stands for Artificial Intelligence. (laughs) I mean, name another car company. Forget car company. Name another company in the world that has AI Day. Doesn't exist. I mean, maybe, you know, Google, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, Apple... I mean, who else is investing in AI like this? You know, those companies I just named all have it, but nobody has an AI day, probably because they don't have a lot to talk about or show for it. IBM used to with Big Blue and the chess playing. But, I mean, imagine what, like, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, or Mary Barra, CEO of GM, are thinking about this. I mean, they must be like, oh, shit, we don't have an AI day because we don't even design our own chips. We don't write software. At least we don't write it very good. (laughs) Like, they, they're, they're lost. And Tesla has now been compounding. Uh, I was just looking at this. Somebody's given a presentation on it. They've been compounding revenue and earnings. So that top line, bottom line thing that I was talking about. 50%. 50% year over year for the last, like, seven years. And people are anticipating that they're going to continue. And Elon has publicly stated this. They expect to continue compounding at 50% for the foreseeable future. Like, through 2030. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. So, related to Tesla, I've got this, uh, this uh, the Twitter. As you know, Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter. Actually, he's trying to get out of the deal now. And so, there's, uh, they've gone to this arbitration chancellery court in, uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, chancery, chancellery court in Delaware to settle whether or not Elon Musk has to buy Twitter at the price that he stated. And what's going to happen is he'll either end up, he'll end up paying some gigantic fine and wiggling out of the, de- the deal, or most likely will end up buying Twitter at a discounted price. And so here's a, I'm going to read this verbatim because a lot of this stuff is coming out because uh, it's like public information, I guess. I'm not really sure how it comes out, but I think it's public information that's now because it's being presented as evidence in this court of public opinion here. So this is from Parag Agrawal. I'm sure I destroyed his name, but he's the CEO of Twitter. So this is a text message to Elon Musk. He says, and this is in response, presumably, to Elon tweeting kind of disparaging comments about Twitter. He's he's tweeting these comments about Twitter, about the company he's going to buy. He's basically like, I got to buy this company and this company's trash. I mean, it's kind of funny. I I think it annoys a lot of people. I find it kind of funny, though. So Parag emails or texts him, a lot of texting going. He says, are you free to tweet? You are free to tweet, quote, is Twitter dying? Or anything else about Twitter. But it's my responsibility to tell you that it's not helping me make Twitter better in the current context. Next time we speak, I'd like you to provide 
I'd like to provide you perspective on the level of internal distraction right now and how it is hurting our ability to do work. I hope the AMA will help people get to know you. I think that was in all hands they had. To understand why you believe in Twitter and to trust you. And I'd like the company to get a place where we are more resilient and don't get distracted. But we aren't there right now. (laughs) Okay, so Elon, this is his response. He sends three separate tweets. I'm going to read each of them right now. From Elon. What did you get done this week? Question mark. Let that sink in. After this long, blown-out text from Parag to Elon, he just texts back, what did you get done this week? All right. I can't stop laughing or smiling when I read that. And the next one is, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not joining the board. This is a waste of time. <laughs> oh, God. So Elon is going to join their board, they decided not to. So he responds back, I'm not joining the board. This is a waste of time. Third tweet, we'll make an offer to take Twitter private. I mean, can you... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just think that says it all. Let all those sink in. I think I'm going to call it early today. Um, and I apologize for not playing that video I had earlier, but it was basically just kind of a bullish uh, video on why on why uh, Netflix is, is poised to grow. Heck, I'll play it right now. Why not? I took the time to record this stupid thing. Here we go. Uh-oh. Actually, um, grew it to a, a full position this quarter. Um, you know, the fact this is, is that Netflix decided Sikosha. to grow up and mature its business model at just the right time. It started making money at just the right time, and it's really, from a sustainability perspective, shifted its its pivoted its approach and its focus to being able to grow revenue on their base rather than just focused, I think, with a lot of the other streamers because they are earlier in their life cycle on the number of subs. And so from my perspective, this is an opportunity to really see this company in a different light. I continue to think that there are going to be some winners and losers in terms of streaming, but I also think that there is going to be some inelasticity in terms of streaming demand that we're seeing right now. I mean, that this is not a place where consumers right now are looking to cut back spending. And so I'll stop there. So I'll just kind of reiterate a couple of points. One, some again, I'm going to speak directionally here, but the other streamers, you know, Hulu, HBO Plus, Peacock, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, I don't think any of them might be mistaken. Send me an email if I am. I don't think any of them are profitable. And some of them don't break it out separately, so it's hard to tell. But I don't think any of them are profitable as standalone streaming. Maybe Hulu is? Hulu's owned. Anyway, so it's very hard to tell. But I don't think any of them are profitable. Whereas Netflix has now established this scale where they're they're a pure streaming play and they're profitable. These other companies, you talk like HBO, Warner Brothers, they got to... They're still heavily, you know, reliant on on you know advertising and the traditional cable bundle. And so it and they're also ridden with debt. They have billions, I should have it handy here, but billions and billions of dollars uh, material amount of their balance sheet in debt. So they've got major issues to kind of navigate through. And so her point is that Netflix has already been through all of that. They already pivoted. They said they're not going to issue any more debt. They're cash flow positive. They're growing revenue. So they're in a very good place, and there's going to have to be further consolidation in the industry. So not saying Netflix is out of the out of the woods yet, but they're they're in, they're in good position. All right, final stuff here. Why am I in such a hurry? By the way, I'm actually have to get on a plane. I'm going to go to Oregon, and if you're one of my Oregon peeps and hearing this, uh, 
send me a text message and or, and uh, let's hang out. I'm flying to Oregon though in like two hours, and I'm, I haven't packed. I'm not showered. I'm I'm flying here. What time is it anyway? 11:15 a.m. My flight's at two. I got two hours and 45 minutes. All right, recommendations. I don't have a lot of recommendations. Like I haven't, you know, I'm reading this book. Uh, I'm rereading this book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Really good book. I mean, he just talks a lot. I mean, you, you hear about all these philosophers and Stoics and Marcus Aurelius and his writings and Senna and Aristotle and Socrates. Just list goes on. He kind of summarizes all the best of it. So if you, if you don't have the energy like I do to go pick up those and read the original works, he's kind of like bringing the best of all that stuff forward. I find the book inspirational and sometimes I get depressed, you know, I'm human and, and you feel like you've got all these obstacles and, and it really kind of motivates you. And the whole point of the book where it says the obstacle is the way is that we as humans need obstacles. We want obstacles and we need to get around them and figure it out. And it's kind of what, what motivates us day to day. And without obstacles, we're just not, you know, that's what humanity, humanity is. I just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I've just butchered that, but I think you get the point. I started watching Dahmer on Netflix. Ah, man, that's a dark one. Uh, I made it halfway through the first episode. I can't recommend it at this point, but I, a lot of people like it. Started watching Elvis, the movie. Uh, I'm going to wait and watch the rest of it with my wife, maybe my kids. It seems very promising. House of Dragons, still watching that with my wife. We're the episode six, and there was a ton of, you know, the water cooler talk and the stuff in the news about it because it jumped 10 years, it, it kind of lost me a little bit. I was getting really into it. I didn't like the first episode, and then episodes two through five, I was like, okay, now I'm into it. And then episode six, I was like, eh, I don't know. So we'll see. Um, I just read this. Um, I'm sure I'm watching something else, but I, I really can't remember, and I didn't prep well enough for this to put in here. But um, I just read this quote that I found interesting and inspiring also. It says, children are happy because... They're not self-conscious, they lack a sense of time pressure, and they have no goals. <laughs> they have no goals. Um, so I was trying to think, can we apply this to ourselves as, as adults? They're not self-conscious. Every adult should be able to apply that. I mean, it's easier said than done, for sure, but not being self-conscious. Okay, so that should, be a, that should be doable. Lack a sense of time pressure, a little more difficult as an adult, and then they have no goals. I think it's hard not having goals. I mean, I have a goal to provide for my family, to make sure we have food, shelter, uh, and, you know, entertainment. So not quite as easy to be happy, but but definitely doable. All right, everybody. Um, I am sorry to cut out early and talk so fast, but like I said, I got to rush. Have a great weekend, and let's hope the Fed stops raising rates quite so quickly. They need to pause 50 basis points in November. Let's take a breath. And uh, I think we're going to have a great 2023. <laughs> and we're going to have a great Q4 too. All right. All right. Send me an email. Give me a shout out. Sean at HathawayFinancial.com if you want to come be a guest. Everybody's welcome. I particularly welcome those that disagree with me because it makes for a much better conversation. All right, everybody. Take care and have a great weekend.